You're listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. A quick note just to say that during the recording of this episode, there's a buzz in the audio that you'll hear throughout the sermon. This is a technical error that we're working to resolve for future sermons. We hope you'll excuse it and that you enjoy the rest of the episode. I must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Johanna, mother, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sarah Claire. Um, tonight, uh, we are so glad to have you all here uh, to celebrate Easter with us. My name is Keith Case, and I am a pastor here at Providencia. Uh, before our service happened tonight, we had a little Easter egg hunt in the courtyard out here, and so we gave all the kids a lot of sugar, and then we canceled kids' ministry uh, for those above three years old. So for any of the parents that are in here tonight, we will be offering $100 gift cards. Uh, they'll be used for civil society or counseling, either one. You can choose which one uh, you want to apply them to. Uh, but we won't do that next year to you guys. I promise we'll send them over to the kids' ministry building and let other people deal with them uh, after we pump them up on sugar. But it is a great evening. Uh, this is a historic day for the church and for our faith that Literally around the globe, uh, people have been gathering together uh, to read the text that we read this morning, uh, to sing the songs like we sang uh, tonight, and to celebrate this thing called the resurrection. So all the way over in China, uh, people were secretly meeting in house churches. Uh, in Kenya, uh, people were gathering together and making their way uh, to their little church, to sing songs to this Jesus. In South America, in the Caribbean, uh, in Hawaii right now, people are gathering around uh, this story. Because this story is bigger than any national story. This story is bigger than any ethnicity. Uh, this story is bigger than any gender. It, it's bigger um, than, than any one thing can contain. 
This story is so large that it could not be held in. They, they thought that they had held it in. They thought that they had, had stuck it and entrapped it and encased it, but it could not be held in. For 2,000 years, people have been gathering around this story, this new story. And we're excited to be uh, celebrating with you all uh, tonight. This story that goes beyond social class, beyond uh, economic class. This story that says that death has ended. That death has ended. Um, today is our daughter Lily's birthday. I don't know if she's still in here. Is Lily in the back back there? Lily, can you stand up real quick? Just give us a wave. She loves to perform. Um, Lily turned eight today and we celebrated her birthday uh, on Thursday night. We had an incredible Monday Thursday service here, contemplative Thursday service. And I just want to thank uh, all those involved, particularly Danny and Drew and Dr. Stepha Bennett for leading us in that time. Um, as someone who has a hard time slowing down, it was a great space for me to be invited into to slow down. Uh, I went from that, I had to leave a little bit early to go to Lily's birthday party, which was at a trampoline park. I don't know if you guys have ever been to these before. But imagine a thousand kids bouncing up and down screaming. Uh, that's what I walked into after leaving the contemplative service. So it was a bit of a shift there for me. And um, I'd already read the text on Monday, you know, knew what, what the, the text was for this Sunday. And there was only one dad at the party. You know, parents drop their kids off and they leave. And uh, this one dad stuck around. Now, I just have to let you guys know that my idea of hell on earth is kids' birthday parties. I'm just saying it right now. Uh, I have five, so it's created a problem for me, uh, but I make it through it. But it's, it's not the, you know, my funnest activity. But there was one dad there, and so I figured, hey, I'll give it a shot. We'll try to talk to this dad, and I strike up the conversation. I ask him where he's from, New Jersey. I say, what do you do for work? Uh, I'm a funeral director. And I was like, man, this is going to get weird. And then he told me, he went on to say, and I have an embalming business at night. And that's the one I really prefer because it's just me and the bodies in there at night. Nobody else to mess with me. <laughs> I had so many questions at this point in the conversation, but I'm at my daughter's birthday party and I'm thinking, man, there's kids jumping all around. Maybe I shouldn't get into this. Um, but, you know, it, it is a fascinating world and a fascinating industry that we have created here in this country. In fact, if you go across the street here, you'll find uh, that there are uh, a graveyard there and, and there's flowers on these graves. And a lot of them are uh, trying to make, if you will, death a little prettier. But one thing I've learned at this time in my life, 45 years, is death is not pretty. Uh, we can try to dress it up, we can try to clean it up, we can try to make it smell good, but a death is not pretty. Uh, death is very painful. Uh, death is a thief and death is a liar. Uh, my family and I have known that really, really close to home over the last month. And my wife uh, lost her father 
And uh, it was a very much a shock to us. It is still a shock. Uh, there are still tears for us uh, because of it. And I had never felt like death was such a thief as I did uh, in losing my father-in-law. To see life snuffed out like that, uh, it, it really hit us hard. And so death is an enemy. And death is also a liar. I never realized how much uh, death was a liar. But it's been beating us up and bullying us for quite a while now. And, and it's had a lot of wins over us. In fact, maybe you heard this from your parents. Maybe you heard this from a wise sage or some mentor in your life. But they, they may have said something to you like this. The only guarantees in life is that you're going to die. And you don't know when. And you don't know when the people around you are going to die. There's no clock on it. You know, we want there to be a clock, but there's no clock on it. It can happen any moment. The death can come. And it's a thief. And we see the women on the way to Jesus' tomb early in the morning. And their hearts are full of longing. Their hearts are full of love. They've spent the night uh, preparing these spices. But it's really all they have besides their tears to bring to the tomb that morning. It's really all we have in the face of death. And so they come. They come to the tomb. Expecting to find the stone in front of the tomb. And wondering how they're going to get it away. And I couldn't help but think last week when, when Drew uh, was preaching about the stones. If you weren't here, he did this incredible sermon, this poetic sermon about the stones. And took us on a journey throughout scripture about the stones. And it was all coming out of the triumphal entry when Jesus is coming into the city. And the people are shouting Hosanna. And Jesus has just wept over the city. And the religious leaders are saying to Jesus, silence your people. Make them stop. And Jesus says to them, if they don't cry out, the stones will cry out. And I couldn't help but to think about Drew's sermon if he was preaching today, preaching tonight, what it would have been called, the rolling stone. You know, there would have been some music building up. There would have been some songs coming. There would have been a party happening, right? And for those of you who know me, for those of you who have been around the church a while, you know that uh, as a pastor, I, I enjoy doing weddings, uh, but more than the wedding. I enjoy the reception. Can I get an amen? More than the wedding, I enjoy the reception. You know, because at the wedding, they're not even married yet until the end. But when we get to the reception, y'all, we get to eat and we get to drink and we get to dance and we get to party. We get to celebrate. The people of God get to be unleashed on the dance floor. Some of y'all can dance. I've seen it with my own eyes. And friends, the story uh, this morning 
for these women as they come to this tomb expecting to find death, expecting to find the end of the story, find that the story has just begun, that the stone has in fact been rolled away. And as they enter into that dark place, instead of finding darkness, they find light. And instead of finding death, they find life. And instead of finding the liar, the liar who started with us early on, telling us this narrative narrative of scarcity, that everything good in life comes to an end. You ever heard that before? Man, my parents used to say that at the end of vacation sometimes. And I didn't want to leave. I didn't want it to end. And that lie was in the tomb. Every good thing comes to an end. But the truth showed up there too. The angels showed up and they remind the women. They say, do you not remember what Jesus told you? That he would be put on trial. That he would be crucified that he would die, that he would be buried, but that he would rise again in three days. It wasn't the first time they had heard it. The angels have to remind them of this reality. The reality seeks in a little deeper for them. And for you uh, here tonight, maybe you've been in church your whole life. Maybe uh, somebody drug you here to church tonight and you came as a favor And maybe you've heard the stories about Jesus here and there, about him rising from the dead. But no matter where you are on that spectrum, that this call to remember is part of what we are doing here tonight. This call to remember anew, that the tomb is empty, and that the story is not a story of scarcity. But in the place where uh, we, had been, we had lost the most, in the place where we thought there was no coming back, that it was in that place that we discovered the greatest story of abundance. That Jesus has conquered death. That Jesus has conquered death. And that we have, as Christians, access to the real story, the story of abundance. Now, I want to say very clearly to us tonight, and this is so important to say, that notice that Jesus did not pass straight into the story of abundance, that Jesus uh, walked, that he was born on this earth, that he walked the the earth, that he sweated here, that he ate the food, that he lived our experience, that he suffered like we suffered that he was put on trial as an innocent man, that he was betrayed, that he was denied by his closest friends, that he was left alone and isolated like so many of us feel, and that he was beaten and whipped and mocked and spit upon and crucified and laid in a tomb. Jesus did not pass up the suffering. He went through the suffering. And we must remember that Jesus didn't pass through 
didn't pass over the suffering, that he passed through it. To know that he is the God who is with us in it. And that he, through the tomb, creates for us a doorway back to the garden that we have always dreamed about, that we have always longed for. In the summer of 2021, as many of us uh, were held up in our homes uh, during the COVID pandemic, uh, facing the harsh realities and counting our losses and not even knowing exactly what was happening in us, uh, this woman was introduced to the world named Jane on America's Got Talent. And as they began to interview her a little bit about her story, she began to tell them very matter-of-factly that she in fact had cancer. That she had overcome cancer, but that she had cancer in three, uh, three parts of her body, in her spine, her lungs, and I believe her, her pancreas. And then she began to sing the song. The song was, It's Okay. And Simon Cowell, who's, you know, can be kind of cold and harsh at times, uh, he did not vote for her the yes. Instead, he gets very emotional and goes straight for the golden buzzer and gives her the golden buzzer. And so many people were inspired by this woman, but she could not continue on in the competition because of her cancer. And people uh, discovered her music, but then they also discovered her writing. And her most famous piece that many people uh, discovered is from March 9th, uh, 2021, called God is on the Bathroom Floor. And that piece ends with these lines. I've heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough. It's true. If you can't see him, look lower. God is on the bathroom floor. And for so many people during this pandemic, uh, the, the isolation, the loneliness, the suffering that so many experienced, many of us felt that type of situation, of isolation, of being forced to look lower. And to think that this is a woman who during the pandemic shows up to lead us through America's Got Talent, to lead people who are hurting. You see, Jesus isn't just uh, giving us a new story of abundance at the tomb. No, at the tomb, he is also uh, giving us a story about empowering, empowering the powerless of society. See, the power uh, comes from the bottom up now. The, the power comes from those who are on the margins, from those who seem to be powerless. I, I did a hospital visit this uh, past week uh, to a man who attends the church here in the morning named Don Gibbs, and he had uh, broken his femur. And, and the man is older, he's in his 80s, and he was pretty beat up. And then he had contracted pneumonia. His wife has dementia and she is in a memory care facility. Don has a lot on his plate. And there's a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And as I was spending time with Don, as we got towards the end, I asked Don, Don, uh, can I pray for you? And he said, yes, please pray for me. 
And so I spent some time praying for Don. And when I finished, I was ready to say goodbye. The master was on. I knew he wanted to get back to that. And I was about to walk out the door and said, and Don said, can, can I pray for you, Keith? And I said, sure, Don. I told him my dad happened to be in the hospital that day. He'd had kind of a scare with his heart. And I had shared that with his son, Bill, who was there with us. And Don went in and prayed for me for 10, 15 minutes, thanking God for me and thanking God for the people that had come by to visit him at the hospital and thanking God for all the people at Memorial Presbyterian Church who've loved him and his wife and his family over the years. You think I wasn't crying? This man like laid up in his hospital bed praying for me, leading me to Jesus? This, this man knows something about the story of the resurrection. It's gotten its way into his bones, into his soul, into his heart. That he understands that Jesus is empowering the powerless of society, the ones who are at the lowest rung of, of the ladder. And at that time in the ancient Near Eastern world, uh, for a woman uh, to be without a man in her life was a very vulnerable thing. Both uh, she was vulnerable to crime uh, and she was also vulnerable economically. Uh, so much so that uh, the one thing that the, the God kept telling Israel over and over again was to care for the widows and orphans. That, that a woman without a man in her life was considered uh, like an orphan. That's how vulnerable they were. A woman at that time couldn't even be an eyewitness in a court of law. That's how vulnerable they were. And yet this is who Jesus chooses. He chooses to reveal himself to people who are the most vulnerable. These are the people who become the eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection, of Jesus' defeat of death of Jesus' overcoming of injustice, of Jesus overcoming uh, the powerlessness of his state on the cross. See, these women knew about injustice. And Jesus is saying, there's a new story coming. I'm the fulcrum, and we are moving the plates of this earth. We are shifting the power dynamics of this earth. It's a new story. It's a new day. And if you don't believe me that the women were disregarded, just read right there in the text. That the men dismiss them and say they are just speaking nonsense. But these women would be remembered. Mary Magdalene, the rest of they would be remembered. They would have their place in Scripture, in the story of Jesus, in the story of the resurrection, the greatest day in Christian history. It would be the women who would bear witness to the proof of the reality of the heart of God, the life of Jesus. That it is true that it is real. We've had a breakfast every uh, Wednesday morning here uh, for the last semester. And this past week, we ended it with the theme of eternity. And Drew was doing a little uh, five-minute introduction for 
that time. Andrew started off talking about eternity and he ended his time talking about hospitals. Weird connection there. Um, start with eternity and then talking about hospitals and talking about how Christians were the ones who uh, created hospitals. And maybe you've noticed around town that, you know, we have hospitals here called St. Mary's, Good Sam. Uh, maybe if you're from another city, you have a, a Baptist health or a Presbyterian hospital or Luther, you know, there's all of these hospitals. A lot of them have names connected to the church. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is at that time in the ancient Near Eastern world, there was health care available uh, for, for those who were a Roman citizen and for those who had a certain ethnicity. But only for those, for the people who were uh, poor, for the people of uh, certain social classes, for the people of certain ethnicities, they did not have care for the foreigners. For the immigrants, they did not have the care that they needed. But the Christians knew that there was a bigger story. And that the resurrection gave proof to that story. That because of Jesus' conquering of death, that everything he said was true. That there was a new king. There was a new king here. And that his words mattered. And that his words were that every single person was created in the image of God. That every single person was his work of art. So much so that he said things like this, when you gave a drink to that man who was thirsty, when you fed that man who was hungry, when you visited uh, that person who was sick, when you went to the prison to visit that person, you visited me. The resurrection secured the reality of that statement so much so that they went to the streets to care for those who were sick and poor, who no one else would care for. See, the resurrection just doesn't make Jesus' words true about each other. It makes his words true about this earth. And one of the things I want us to know here tonight is that Jesus' resurrection is a wedding together of heaven and earth. That is a wedding together of the material and physical world. That Jesus doesn't just come back as a spirit, as a ghost, but he comes back fully human in his heavenly body. That he's saying that this material world matters, that he has wed himself to it. That this world is not just going to burn up in fire. But the way that we care for this earth matters. The way that we care for each other matters. That it is a reflection of the reality of the resurrection. And it is what we are called to as a people as a people of God. As we come to that last verse there, it says that Peter was there in the tomb and he saw the linens and he wondered what had happened. And I would just encourage you, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, if this story is true, 
that you would take some time to wonder, what if this is true? What if this is true? It has changed my life. It has changed the life of this church. And we believe that it is the greatest source of change in this world. Let us pray. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit ProvidenciaWPB.org and click on the Give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.